Hello. I mean, ho, 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 ho. Oh, it's video game Santa Claus is back to talk about the good. I think every year, without fail, I just drop those on the floor. I try to do the video game Santa Claus conceit, and there's a thing about Yusuf. You wouldn't know this because you're you won't host the show, leaving it to me. <laughs> Uh, where you start talking at the beginning of this thing and it feels like being out on a tightrope. And you know <laughs> that how many people are turning this off immediately <laughs> because of what you're saying. <laughs> because of the, the, the terrible shit you're saying. Um, so no, I am not Video Game Santa Claus. I am Reed McCarter. And I'm joined, as always, by Bullet Point CEO, Yusuf Cole. Hi, Reed. You did a great job there. Um, I'm, I'm sure that we have everybody still on board for for now. For now, we gotta be quick though. We gotta act fast. Uh, we also have two special guests today to help us close off this year, this wonderful, excellent year that we've all had a great time uh, living through. We have Nicole Carpenter, senior reporter at Polygon. Nicole, how are you? I'm all right. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. It's good to have you on. You were on before uh, writing about Duke Nukem, right? Yes, and I think I've actually been on a podcast with you before as well. I actually thought of that today because there was this stuff with, I think we talked about Devotion. Ah, we did. Because you were one of the people who also managed to play Devotion. <laughs> yes, sad day. Um, and then today was the day where it seemed like everyone was going to get to play Devotion, and then like, 15 <laughs> minutes later... It was, it was like, the quickest. The Chinese yeah. gaming party has said that we will not be playing Devotion. Actually, for those 15 minutes, I was thinking, huh, I can put Devotion on my Game of the Year list again. I was actually thinking that, too, when I was trying to figure out what my favorite game of this year is. Devotion would win, I think, no problem again this year. Um, we also have traditional Yuletide guest, uh, bullet points, elf, <laughs> uh, Ethan Gatch, staff writer at Kotaku. Ethan, how are you doing? Hello. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you too, to everyone. Uh, I'm great. I'm doing great now that I'm on this show. Uh, 2020 has been a rough year, but it, it brought me back here, and, and uh, it's all, it's all going to be okay now. It's become a thing at this point where if Ethan isn't on this end-of-the-year show, the year hasn't ended, and we just like get thrown <laughs> adrift through time, just floating through the void. So I'm glad, Ethan, that you are here. You're still not too big time to remember... Uh, old bullet points. Every 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 year, I hope and pray that I'll get invited back, and uh, and then every year I I frantically uh, can't come up with my favorite and least favorite game of the year. <laughs> the, the one job of coming on this episode. Yeah, I mean that's the worst part of doing this is I always think it's going to be really easy, but it's not always. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes people get mad at you when you talk about like. I think like the least favorite is where the real action is in, in doing this. And if you say like, you know, Undertale, 
is garbage because <laughs> it is. Then people get sometimes they get really mad. <laughs> they, but you know, it's that's the season. You got your gifts and you got your coal. Um, speaking of use of coal, <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow, <laughs> impressive. You like that? That was pro segue. Um, why don't we start doing this with? Well, uh, what's the vote here? What's better to start with, worst or best? Do we want to end on negativity or positivity? Hmm. Yusuf, you're the CEO. What do you think? <laughs> what, are the, what are the shareholders? What did you do last year? I can't remember. Was it worst? I think it, it usually starts worst with worst, first. and then it goes to favorite, yeah. and then it ends on yeah. what we hated about our favorites. <laughs> oh, I like that. So we still get to end on a negative negative note. <laughs> so that's good. Um, yeah. So why don't we do it that way? Do you, sure. Yusuf, do you want to start off with? Yeah. What why you not? Picked for your. I, I mean, we say worst, but it's also just least favorite, really. You know. Yeah. It doesn't I mean, I, I didn't, doesn't I mean didn't... that it's an unequivocal stinker. Just a. Well, I don't know. I probably played like less games this year than a lot of people on this podcast, but so I don't have a huge list to choose from. But um, I didn't actually didn't take me too long to figure out wh- which game I liked the least this year, um, and that it was, is Ghost of Tsushima. That was Ooh. definitely up there, up there for me, um, and I th- and it largely. I mean. You know, we did the bullet points devoted a month to it. We and I was lucky enough to not have to write about it. <laughs> we were able to find four great writers to cover it for us, um, and that was a cool, that was a really cool um, opportunity to get to get to get kind of some newer voices, people who hadn't written for the site before, to write about it. Mm-hmm. And it was also great because I did not finish it because it was incredibly boring um, mm-hmm. and so not fun to play, uh, which is surprising because you know it's kind of looks like it would be like at least like it uh basic open world uh unlock the towers unlock the zones uh popcorn video game and it for me it just it it was it never it was like a it was a chore every moment i (laughs) engaged with that game like i just was so bored with with like most of the interactions i had with it um and on top of that it's also just has this creepy veneer of western gaze at at some some mm-hmm. imaginary version of Japan uh based off of like second and third hand accounts of watching movies and and geeking out about it in college in your Japanese class or something um it so yeah it kind of like at m- multiple levels I, I found it to be distasteful a distasteful game let's say mhm yes Nicole or Ethan did you either of you play this I didn't play this game, so I have no uh, no experience with it. At that time, I did not have a PlayStation. Now I do, but uh, I was gonna go back. But that's a, it. Kind of feels like that's a common criticism that I've been hearing is that it's just kind of boring. I do kind of like boring, though. You know, sometimes I want something that's sort of boring, uh, but it still needs to have that something to keep me doing mm-hmm. those boring tasks. And it sounds like it doesn't have that. No, yeah, I, play, I, I played. A, yeah, a lot I of think. It. What did you think? Uh, Ethan loved it. 
This is game of the year. Yeah, sorry, not to spill the beans early, but uh, there was a, a <laughs> point over the summer where my partner went away with our kid for like an extended weekend, uh, and I so I like I think it had just come out, and I was like, it was like a perfect opportunity to like get down into like a game that I would normally be like, I don't have time for this, and I actually really it's it's funny it's like it's a sucker punch game and like their previous games um the i think the the action and the way that they are able to you know they're very good at meters and like filling up progress and like you know i think uh the pattern and rhythm of that it's just that the stuff around that and what and and what they dress it up as is, is always either very boring or just very shallow and and in this point in this particular instance um also extremely uh problematic for a number of reasons in in you know how it characterizes this uh war between you know china and japan and just the, the, it's it's a weird i don't know it's the characters are i think pretty terrible it's it's like something that would do maybe it almost feels like they had this this concept of uh like an illustrated children's fairy tale um, that was that was basically just like you know just based around these images, um, these uh, vi mm. vistas, vistas, and and uh, lovely environments and stuff. But like, there's nothing in this story itself. Like everything is basically like you know it's like oh I uh, doing this will bring me honor or it won't bring me honor or I have to save these people or I don't. It's 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 like almost uh, insultingly banal um, but the combat and the sense of, of progression in terms of map, game, map games I think is, one, is its redeeming quality Like it's, there are elements of it that um, are very Ubisoft like and I think much better than a Ubisoft game but the world itself is like you know ultimately it's like well, this, there's, you're spinning your wheels in, in like a rut that's just not worth, not worth it mm-hmm I found it, like, I thought it was a very, um, I think it's, like, an insidious game in, uh, like, a lot of the same ways as something of, like, a Kingdom Come was also, of these games that kind of, like, I, I don't understand how someone doesn't stop and say, like, look at this, like, what are you, what are you doing, like, why, and especially with this game, too, when you also have all these, like, certain amounts of technology and uh, aesthetics and stuff that are from like centuries later in Japanese history and why you have to be fighting Mongols um, it, it just like why does it have to be this foreign uh, threat that you know you're saving the country from like so much of it is ahistorical already why not just have it set during the you know, long period of Japanese civil war in which you can, like, actually look at and they could still, I don't know, you could do so much more interesting stuff with I think there's a lot about like these weird choices that are made and it almost feels like it's really gross the idea that, like, yeah, let's play into this sort of, like, shorthand of the other is the enemy, you know um, like, these people don't look like you, so go kill them um and then you tie that in also with 
you know the actual historical specifics of Japan and everything and it it becomes like really powerfully nauseous and then even if you don't care about that stuff I think the game is just like embarrassing like it like what Yusuf was saying it's like you know the the weird kid who like got way too into uh like Japanese culture but like didn't actually learn much and it was like here I go this is my my ode and then it becomes uh there's like a specific journalist I'm thinking of who does this but um it's like by having so much reverence for a country uh, and being like, look at how fascinating and neat it is. It's like you're kind of being racist, you know? Like you're so focused on this idea of like some essential difference that you don't recognize like a common humanity among people and throughout human history. And I don't know, man. This, yeah. So I think actually. Yeah, it's kind of like. I'm sorry, you said. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was saying, it, it kind of like. There is that element where it makes it makes a molehill out of something that is not, you know, actually that that valuable as a dramatic device, which is like the honor idea, where it's like, yeah, people are going to be pissed when you invade their country, or it's, it looks bad when you when you like slink around and and, and stab people in the back when you're known as a big tough warrior, and like these are kind of more universal ideas, but they they paint it into this picture of like. This is un- like you know this uniquely Japanese thing that ma- makes the game special. That makes the game more worthwhile than say if we had just used the Western setting or or didn't use this like aesthetic shorthand. And then um, you play it and you're like, there's nothing special about this. <laughs> like it feels like hollow and it feels um, and and what meaning there could have been if they actually rid- had written a more honest story. I think um, is is then is therefore lacking because they're relying on the on the Exotic, exoticness and the foreignness of it. Yeah, so I haven't actually finished the mm-hmm. game. Um, uh, have both of you finished it? Mm-hmm. I did. So I'm curious. I d- That's part of why I, did, I was happy I didn't write, <laughs> write about it. I'm, I, I, maybe I, I, I'm guessing they don't really do much with it, but there's the, to me there, there's the, the, the tantalizing possibility early on, which is that there's this very clear class divide between you and the crows who's, you know, you have a a friend um, who is running this mercenary group who ends up working uh, on behalf of the invading army and there's this sense of in which you're like the game very obviously plays up that he is like a jealous uh, like betrayer but I think he's uh, he's like mm-hmm. absolutely the mo- more interesting character in terms of like giving you a glimpse into hey rule under the samurai isn't necessarily great like this there's this whole hierarchy and class system and you know what what do i have to fight for in that you know that system like why why would i automatically be bound to my country in the same way you are um and it, and to to the point of like doing a civil war story or just any kind of just like you know not relying uh on such a like cringy other binary i'm just it is bizarre like it's just it's like such an unforced error and that's like oh there's there's a more interesting direction that i think also was more obvious that you would could have gone with this and then like even those themes with that uh two of of like hierarchy and you know the idea of what loyalty to any kind of government structure or political structure means 
when you haven't benefited from it the same way. I think you actually get a lot more interesting uh, material to work with in that sense later in history too, in the history of the country. Like, it's like, it's one of those things where I did a bunch of research before I wrote about this game and you're just playing it again and again. It's just like, I don't understand why this was the the thing other than like an easy kind of like oh we all know that the Mongols invaded lots of countries you know like I, I can't see any justification for why they they did it the way they did um, well, it kind I, of taps into the like the Japanese nationalist um, ethos or mythos right that like that the game accidentally reifies because it's like kind mm-hmm. of the, the like that samurai um like kind of uh like reforming that mythology required partially like pointing blame at at the mongol or like uh, early showing like kind of uh making bi- making a bigger thing out of like those those wars where like mm-hmm. the or japan like fought off foreign invaders so this kind of like built it kind of builds up this like nationalistic self image when yeah. you say like, well, yeah, and then I guess the idea is just like that's appealing, I guess. Like, it's like part of what I mean with like the Kingdom Come stuff of just like falling into this narrative, being like, well, this is good drama to have an invasion, you know, to, yeah. and, you know, that's, you, know, you look at something like Assassin's Creed Valhalla or something, I think it does mostly avoid that kind of thing of being like well you can really paint this really black and white and you look at the the history of these things and the history is so much more interesting in that it's not black and white in a lot of ways there's a lot of competing narratives about what was going on that that could have caused these kind of like invasions and movements of people and and you know not to to minimize like the the terror and everything and the culture shock of that happening but like I think it's irresponsible to to take like the to like kind of appeal to our worst nature as humans to be like hey we all understand this story even though it's a distortion and it plays into things that are you know historically we've seen are not good to romanticize because they get all twisted up into really disgusting forms um anyway 7 out of 10 is what the score I would give in that game (laughs) <laughs> good open world exploration uh kind of racist <laughs> seven out of ten yeah, <laughs> yeah the, it loses three points for the racism great graphics though <laughs> uh is there anything else that anyone wants to say about uh Ghost of Tsushima did anybody play the DLC mm-hmm. the horde no. mode was it horde mode or something there's like a raid. Like we're just fighting so. wa- waves of. It's a raid. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a dungeon. Like you just like. Yeah, no, it's like a. Multi- it's a multi- it adds like a multiplayer dungeon. I completely bizarre. <laughs> I have not. Not tried. It sounds kind of fun. Well, let's all get really into it. <laughs> yeah. Twenty twenty one. We're reversing. We're reversing our this, our <laughs> choice. This game actually rules. Worst game: Ghost of Tsushima story mode. Best game, <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima multiplayer mode. Um, okay, 
Yeah, a little. <laughs> that was uh, my worst game of the year, actually. But I had a runner uh, up that I got to have the runner up as well. <laughs> <laughs> I prepared for just this, just this uh, <laughs> scenario. Got to keep you in your um, feet. Yeah, uh, Nicole, do you wanna do you wanna go? Yeah, yeah. So I was looking through my list. I keep a running list of all the games that I played this year or during the year. And I didn't play that many games that just I didn't like. I liked a lot of games this year, but uh, I think maybe this is the easy answer, but I'm just not into Cyberpunk 2077 at all. Um, I've played a couple hours of it, so by no means have I given it a fair shot a fair shake so far but I'm just I was surprised at how just uninterested I am in that world um, I find it so performatively edgy and just it just is kind of bewildering to me that that's this is the vision of the future that that they came up with you know I actually think that Nathan from Kotaku wrote a a really good piece that kind of summed up a lot of my feelings and this is going to sound funny but it was the piece about the dildos <laughs> um uh, i think that it just says so much about that the world's building is that like the best vision of this kind of sexually free future is just like people like dispose of their dildos improperly and leave them places <laughs> <laughs> it it just yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to hear how you folks feel about Cyberpunk 2077 because I just I I can't remember the last time I've actually kind of dreaded going back to a video game. And that's how that world feels to me. I like have no interest in playing more of that game and that feels weird because that doesn't happen very often. I usually want to give a game more than a few hours. Is it um is it just the uh, the world itself, like the tone of everything, or is it also like um, specific stuff too, with like the plot or the design of the game? Honestly, like, I, are those... I don't even think that I've gotten far enough into the game to say about sort of the, the plot or the design of the game. I just mm. the tone of the world it just is absolutely uninteresting to me and that's like where that this is where that problem sort of just like comes to a halt because if I don't I'm just not interested in this setting genre I guess that's a that, big that game's a fucking with... mess <laughs> yeah that too also like it doesn't run very well yeah um Ethan, have you been playing it too? Yeah, but like similar to Nicole, I, I I played a bit of it and then mostly just for like you know impressions and seeing how it's running and stuff, and then like had to bounce off it. But like I haven't had, I I want to go back to it because it's a CD Projekt Red game, um, and because of my enduring love for The Witcher Three. But I, it, like I similarly am just completely turned off by the, by everything. Uh, like it's it just. There's just so many things that seem at cross purposes. I, I was playing it when I started playing it with my my partner was sitting there and she was like just to me like this I can't I can't listen anymore this like <laughs> this dialogue is so and I don't know if it's like 
you know, it, it, part of it almost feels like they were like, all right, the first five hours of this game have to be written like this because this is going to be a huge blockbuster. People at you know are going to be pulling off the shelf at GameStop, and it needs to like tap into a certain very uh, like lowest common denominator, lowest common denominator uh, player fantasy of like the future, guns, money, uh, you know, going down in a blaze of glory, and it's to like the point about the dildos. It's um, I forget there was like there was that um, the uh, the Zizek like I don't know whether it's a joke spoof video or whatever but there's like a, a quick thing of like him talking about like two people like uh, like dating having a relationship or whatever and basically like this idea of like the uh, uh, technological like um, Basically, they have all this anxiety and neuroses about, like, pleasing one another and being good, like, sexual partners and all this other stuff. And, like, they have all these, like, machines and everything. But, like, once they can get all that stuff out of the way, they can just, like, chill and watch a movie and, like, actually enjoy, like, each other's, like, company as humans, uh, like, in a relationship. And there's this, like, layer of the game that is, like, it's trying to, like, maximally, like, stimulate you and, like, blow your brain and, like... Then there's this other layer that, like, you get to, like, there's obviously, like, interesting conversations with certain NPCs hidden away in certain quests, and there's, like, lots of quests in the game that, like, don't revolve around, like, leveling up or getting an upgrade or killing people. Um, But there's, like, there's that version of the game, which is, like, immersive uh, um, walking sim, and then there's the other version, which is, this is a Ubisoft map game, first person with guns, and like go find all these asterisks on the map and like shoot stuff um and yet and right. yet just from a very basic sense when i turn on the game i'm immediately like i have no idea what to do because they're just bright colors everywhere nothing is like telegraphed and like this is even for like the ubisoft i just want to go and mess around in open world it's like it doesn't even achieve that that's how i feel totally with opening that map and seeing like you know what do I do? I I don't even know where to begin because there's way too much going on. That feels really oh. overwhelming, and I'd like to find those kind of more interesting plots, but it's a shame that I have to go through all that other stuff to get there. Because I too loved The Witcher Three, and I want to see I want to see that like that kind of stuff. I want to see that sort of vibe, but I well, just can't. It's really interesting too, and like also dovetails well with I think like Ethan what you're saying I wrote hopefully the last thing I have to write this year uh, about cyberpunk for bullet points and I wish (laughs) that would have been a really good way to frame what I was saying like this is exactly what I was talking about in it Um, this game I think the further you get into it too um, the, the kind of like cruelty of the world and and how crass and just like ugly everything is and mean I think like very mean um ends up at times giving way and like used in a way that's interesting to juxtapose these really like warm human moments uh that you would expect from the people who wrote The Witcher um I don't know if the writers are the same actually you know that's could be another issue with this thing too but that, that kind of, like, The Witcher, I think one of the big things that a lot of people took away from it is that um, instead of just going and being, like, it's a Ubisoft thing of, well, the pre-Witcher Ubisoft thing of, hey, go and 
like get this item and give it to someone and that's a side quest and they're saying hey I need you know my painting go get my painting and bring it back to me hey thanks for the painting here's 200 <laughs> money uh, and the witcher was very much like well yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the witcher the thing I think that made the world feel like a place that actually existed to a certain sense to a certain degree and um it gave you the sense of them as like a studio that was very interested in people is that you would go and do these things and there was always some story like the the trappings of what you're actually doing were often like very just typical video game open world junk but there was always like you know you're you're not meeting some like automaton who's who's like you know output input and then XP it was like people who had like these little stories that they wanted to uh, get you involved with and cyberpunk does have a lot of that stuff but it's it's just there's so much shit in this game that is like and it's kind of where I ultimately came down on it is that I think the game is just so selective in how it gives people personhood um, that you can't blame anyone for just like Nicole what you're saying of just being like this thing is just ugly and I don't mm -hmm. want to be in this world you know and that's like a huge proposition of, of these big long games is like presenting you with the tone and saying like can you be in this place for a long time does it interest you and if it's going to be ugly like cyberpunk is um you know, it's it's got to be pretty upfront about why you would want to spend that much time with it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry, I probably went on too long. I've been thinking about cyberpunk <laughs> too much. No, that makes uh, sense to me. I mean, I haven't I haven't played it yet, but it's like this idea of, I mean, also that just knowing how how desperate the the development like cycle of the game is going into that I'm sure it would affect how I think about it um, mm -hmm. in terms of like you know we're playing this stuff like the the Witcher and other games like have this sense of heart and the sense of um, personality and I and it does sound like there is that buried in cyberpunk but also like you know it's almost like you know it, it, it sounds like it's like is it that personality that's that's also like put through a unnecessary ringer to, to the point where it is not as visible because it's like been it's been pushed to the edges in favor of like the presentation mm. in favor of like make we're, we're making something way bigger and way better um and then you know you still see it buried down but it's like just that much harder to get to because it's like because it's, it's that element of posing that element of like uh trying to like give you something new and something more worthwhile and and in doing so like kind of shooting themselves in the foot in the digital uh metal extended extendo foot which <laughs> i assume you can upgrade to in the game in your robo foot yeah your robo foot yeah i mean yeah one and one of the biggest issues with this game well no it's not one of the biggest no it is a big issue um <laughs> there's so many to choose from i know it's hard yeah. <laughs> there are man it's a fucking just full of them but i think there is something really compelling about this game but 
A, you have to be willing to uh, essentially be like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with all this horrible shit that you're going to show me, which, you know, I'm a cis straight white guy. It's a lot easier for me to be like, well, this is, this is shitty and this is awful, but it's easier for me to say, well, but I'm going to keep looking at this thing and not just say, you know, fuck you. I don't want to hear anything you have to say when you are sort of reducing different people and, uh, to like these stereotypes and, you know, it's, it's full of that kind of shit. But I think if you do push past that at a certain point in the game, like even like along the main path, it makes very clear its priorities and it does show that, that kind of warmth and that the story is very intentionally juxtaposing, um, the cruelty with kind of being like where do you get compassion and empathy in a world that's this shitty um, which I think is really interesting and like a kind of valuable thing to impart but there's so much shit that just you know it's hard to like listen to that message when it's also saying you know all this other stuff that that uh, counters that message if that makes any sense it does and I, I I'm glad to hear it because like I, I do think that it's a game I will spend more time with um, and I'm glad to hear that there is something there that brings that kind of warmth that The Witcher 3 had but we'll see it's like I won't keep going on about it forever because we have more pod obviously too but like um like the Witcher had that thing too of like especially the Witcher two and three where you're like, Oh, this this place I'm in is like this is not good. Things are very bad for a lot of the people here and you were still able to impart that without dehumanizing people along the way. Um Yeah, and this game just I don't know. Doesn't have that same same thing going. Ethan? Yes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, is the CD Project What's... Red fanboy done yet? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm done. They said I only had to talk for five minutes about the... Uh... Okay. Was... They wired me enough SWAT to, to talk for that long, and I'm done now. You're, you're gonna get the patch a few days, a few weeks early. <laughs> get, get some of those uh, <laughs> fix of the game. Project Red tokens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They said that they'd give me some of those, and I could buy a new uh, helmet with a light you on it. Respect your character. The mines next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, were you gonna ask me what what my least favorite game was? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. I always hate this because I, I, my my brain always takes it very literally, and it's like, all right, well, <laughs> what was the actual worst game I played? And that was probably like the Dark Crystal turn-based tactics game. I don't know if, and if anyone remembers that, like Age of Resistance or something came out for like the Switch in the beginning of the year. Um, that that was terrible, <laughs> but also not very interesting <laughs> to talk about. No, uh, I I can't. I, I'm holding out for the Fraggle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I was really, I was very stoked. I was like, this is going to be awesome. And then it was very clearly they just kind of farmed it out. Um, the IP. Uh, yeah. 
So, but my actual three least favorite games. Um, oh. Cause I couldn't. Oh. I'm sorry. I couldn't choose. It would be rapid fire though. <laughs> uh, Genshin Impact. Okay. Um, Fall Guys, and uh, this one's less controversial, but Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, absolute trash. <laughs> um, uh, I was gonna say, uh, the Super Culture Network colleague. Yeah, yeah, shots fired George over Clixto here. Would would uh, I want to I want to play that thing? So that game came out in like in January, and there was nothing else out, and I think people were just like, "Oh, this is like fun," and, you know, like I'll play this. Um, but like I, I don't know. Again, that's let's. Um, but remember being a little a little child and watching Dragon Ball. <laughs> you could press buttons. At the same time. Yeah, they've been and they've been cashing in on that dream uh, every year since. Um, so so that that game is actually I don't know if, if for anyone who's ever played a Dragon Ball Z game, most of them are fighting games. But basically, like they actually just retell literally the the manga. Um, and so it is. It's like fans who are just like, "Oh man, we're fighting, we're fighting Raditz, we're fighting Vegeta, uh, fighting Frieza. Oh, Goku's going Super Saiyan." But there's not even anything uh, interesting. Like, so like the weird thing about Kakarot, and then and the reason I think people like latched onto it is it's an open. I it's a, a pseudo open world game, like it's an open world game, but not. I think when people think open world, they're like, "Okay, there's like a world that you can walk around in." And that the, the most important part of that is like it feels like a world, like it feels like a, there's there's a realistic element to like this is a place, um, but like Kakarot has no sense of place, and it's like a map that you fly around, and there's orbs. Honestly, it's it's a lot more like if anyone remembers those special stages from Sonic when you would uh, have to collect the blue like balloons or whatever, and then get the gem at the end. Um, it's it's that except every once in a while you do like a, a worse version of a DBZ fighting game and like fight a boss with like RPG buffs and stuff. Anyway, it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> anyone who makes apologies for that game or defends it like should be uh, <laughs> pulled before the Hague and like shot out of the game's Twitter canon. Into Holy the, into shit. The, wow. Into um, oh my God. I wish <laughs> I wanted to play this for Josh and have him just record like a solo. <laughs> I want 2021's biggest video game beef to be <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ethan versus Josh on Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Shots fired, lines drawn in the sand, Twitter cliques assembled. I'm going to play it. I think it was like 20 bucks on one of the things today. Oh, I'm sure. I might have it. I didn't play it either, though. Uh, okay, let's all reconvene in a few months. Well, yeah. We can, then I we can have a real you. debate. Yeah. I trust Sorry. Ethan. I, I'm, I'm not going to play it. I trust you. <laughs> Goku can shoot blast out of his hand, so it's basically a shooter. Um. Yeah, that's true. We should have... I think that was actually a discussion we had at one point about covering... <laughs> wanting to cover the Dragon Ball Z fighting game. <laughs> uh, it's actually, uh, so sorry, I, Ethan, you have a lot... I was going to say, I, could, it, I think it's an easy segue to, to Genshin Impact, which is, I think, uh, very... I think that the, like the fundamentals of that game are very strong in terms of like it it actually like feels just very good to play and move around and is bright and colorful and inviting and it's the kind of game where like I sit down and I boot up my PlayStation and I scroll through the icons and I'm like oh I, w I want to put this one on um, DBZ actually has similar uh, is similar to that where it's like similarly inviting and uh, there are aspects of it that 
make you like want to play it in the same way that you might like walk into a toy store and be like just picking up stuff and being like you know getting this jolt of like this is fun to play with crazy colored plastic and like toys making weird noises <laughs> and stuff um but but it's similarly dragged down by the fact that like i don't i don't know how without getting into a whole thing like they're just uh games that gate artificially gate progress around trying to force you to play on a certain schedule that will maximize the monetization um that can be extracted because it's a free-to-play game um i just it just fundamentally ruins it's only okay when it's only okay when Destiny Two does. No, well, that's I, if, <laughs> Destiny, if Destiny didn't have that. If Destiny didn't have that, it would have been it would have been my game of the year at some point. But like the fact that it has that just means that it will never be a game of the year because it, it again Destiny <laughs> has a similar problem. Like, and I think whereas Destiny's like you know single player content would be some of its like if you could condense the first and second and like all the expansions into a single player shooter game it would be it would make for a very strong game um but oh, yeah. because again it the business model now is to make sure that you are playing it as much as possible uh i it, it's just like i don't I, I on the one hand it can be completely conducive to like a hobby or to like fulfilling a certain role within your life but it's not i it just kind of breaks the experience of like sitting down and playing a game um and then fall guys i mean just fall guys just sucks i don't know <laughs> i don't know how anyone plays fall guys i did anyone play super mario uh 35 what super mario brothers 35 anniversary or battle the battle royale one that they released no oh i played like one round of it and thought no it's okay so like i'm totally down to do this i'm i'm really into the battle royale concept in that I like the idea of like being dropped into a map and then like watching your back and just constantly feeling like you might get jumped and like you know everyone is like you know there's just all these you're getting into all these standoff situations and there's all these zero sum prisoner dilemmas but like Fall Guys the whole point is it's basically like Mario Kart but with like you know everyone's riding through oil and like spinning out and like you can't actually hit each other with items or anything so like there's this basically it's a it's a battle royale so you get all the drag down of not being able to control your your destiny and all of these like happenstance things uh ruining your run but you also don't get like the joy of like these interesting one-on-one interactions um Mm -hmm. i mean like i don't know how many of you have played it a lot but like it's i just it i like i can't play it it just i and i want to because i'm like oh this is like a fun it's an easy game to be like i'll pop this on for like five ten minutes and like play a couple rounds and it'll be fun and my character will get cool hats um but i just keep going back to rocket league because there's something about the way fall guys like it's a great game for streaming it's a great i can see why it's a great cultural game i know i have friends who love it but like it's just lacking something that I feel like there's not a way to like express yourself within or like have an interesting, like exciting moment that you'll like be like, Oh, this last night on fall guys, you'll never believe what happened. It's like, no, you just, you, you jumped at the wrong time and you fell in the hole and then you, you didn't make it across the finish line quick (laughs) enough. And now you got to start over again. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I played probably like 45 minutes of it and and just kind of thought, I, I can see why people why this is something to put on and just kind of laugh at 
not laugh at, <laughs> laugh with, I guess, from the from like the scenarios it creates, and it does have like that thing you're talking about with like Genshin Impact or something where it's just like it's colorful. It is funny how it kind of yeah candy looking, and it got like superseded by Among Us, and it probably for good reason because yes. like Among Us actually has like systems that are really fun for multiplayer where you're kind of uh, that social element is there, especially if you're playing with people that you know, um, mm-hmm. and it has like the kind of like. Uh, I forgot the the party game. There's some like mafia thing, like where it's like you're just kind of trying to mess with your friends. Um, and yeah, like Fall Guys is like has the colorfulness in this in the surface level fun, but yeah, because it it is more like something that you can. It, it's this. It's this. No, there's no friction, which is also bad. Like it's mm-hmm. bad for running. <laughs> But it's also <laughs> yeah. it's also bad like for actually like getting engaged with the game because you can feel that like lack of, of anything keeping you engaging with it. Yeah. Right. I um, played a lot of it, but not necessarily because I liked it. Um, I like you said. I think it was a You're culturally a true gamer imp- now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was a culturally important game, and I think it was like for a while it was just like a thing to do to to get my friends into a group chat where we could just talk mm. to each other and that's why I played it so much and uh you know can't really say much about the experience it happened no but I think that's a great point because yeah it's totally one of those games where especially like on a PlayStation it was free with PlayStation Plus or whatever but so it was and then like the barrier to entry is incredibly low you just like get booted up into the match you don't even have to do anything you can just like sit there and chat and yeah you can it's a, like a very it's a way to be social without everyone just sitting in a chat being like all right well uh gotta go i guess because nothing's happening yeah um it's like when you go to your your parent your friend's parents house to like hang out and not do anything but because you're like somewhere doing it it's like all right this is not boring um one quick thing on fall guys uh to the friction point um, I'm about to lose my train of thought, but oh, uh, yeah, it's it's it reminds me of being trapped inside a dream where there's some activity you're trying to do, but you all of a sudden are extremely terrible at it. So like I have these constant uh, stress dreams about playing soccer. I have those all the time. Where <laughs> I'm like terrible at like I'm not great at soccer in real life, but like in these dreams I'm like just completely incapable of like hitting the ball or like you know have no strength when I hit it or it's like I'm underwater when I'm running. Um, and that's how I feel when I play Fall Guys. It's like the the anti Mario Brothers, where it's like Mario Brothers just feels great to like run and jump and do all this stuff, and it's like the opposite in Fall Guys. Which I which is why some people I guess it appeals to some people, but like yeah, I can't. Yeah. It's something. It just my brain. It doesn't click. That's how I feel playing Rocket League. Except Rocket League, you can get better at it. <laughs> which I think that's true. Yeah. But it does have that feeling of like that kind of like swimmy like yeah like I'm too drunk trying to put on my shoes kind of <laughs> feeling like like that awful kind of like disconnect um, but Rocket League I think it's just because the physics of those things and you figure it out and it it's you know I think that's like a really that game actually feels fantastic once you get used to it but um, I definitely noticed that about Fall Guys as well. Like the things that and that's part of why I stopped playing it too is I would fall off something and just be like that just sucked. Like it it just felt like, you know, like 
some marshmallows bumped into each other and one of them happened to fall off the table. They're beans. Like, they're beans. <laughs> um, sorry, yes, they're beans. Um, but yeah, it's interesting too. Like I, I think about that, like what Nicole is saying, and you know, not to do the whole well in twenty twenty, this is what we needed, <laughs> but. It, it is true. Like COVID. I imagine, all of us have done a lot of like Zoom calls versus hanging out with friends, and it's like it is like at a certain point you're like, well, this just feels weird. Like you talk and you like you kind of, but then the usual thing where you would just kind of like hang out with people and just by being in the same space, you know, like fiddling with a coaster or something while you're talking to a friend, when you're just like on a Zoom call, it's just it. it you know it feels weird and then if you do have something that brings people together so you're kind of like doing something while you're shooting the shit mm. it it is really nice to have um you know kind of regardless of the quality of of the thing itself like i don't know um no, that's, that's, definitely that's definitely true though i, I would say uh, Fall Guys and Among Us and, and other games recently. Like, I think the the Ghost game, Phantas- uh, Phantagram? Yeah, yeah the Phantasma. That's a band. Phasmophobia? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, those all, like, kind of fit into the idea where it's, like... I mean, I think, it's, like, every year has some multiplayer thing, like, you know, sensation. Um, but it's definitely felt like this year there was, like, this element of, like... Oh, I mean, like, people who, like, probably wouldn't be playing games would be like would be playing especially like Among Us because you could play it on anything um, like so like people that I would not normally ever play games with would would a- would invite me to play with them so there's that aspect of um, this year really being an o- extremely online year um, and that and that filtering into games oh yeah absolutely can you imagine if Animal Crossing had had like if the Switch was capable of having like an easy way to hang out with friends. <laughs> it didn't like, take you two, two hours to <laughs> find a friend's island. <laughs> right. Like that would have been the biggest thing ever. Everyone was playing that thing anyway, just because they wanted to like mm-hmm. feel digital sunshine. <laughs> damn they wanted damn to see straight. life growing instead of everything that was happening. But yeah. Um. Is there anything else we want to get to about no, Ethan's? That's it. That was a lot. It was. I played Genshin Impact for like half an hour just to see, and I thought I was like, I thought the fucking FBI were gonna well, I live <laughs> in Canada, so it wouldn't have been them. Um, <laughs> the Mounties. I, yeah, I hate yeah. to say it, but yes, the RCMP. <laughs> uh, we're gonna kick down my door for like these. There's something about those like these weird little anime children and the noises they make, and it's. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't like it. Extremely. New aesthetic. So someone just needs to make um, a demon also the. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> also the uh, confirm button. There was something with the buttons where I wanted them to be s- different. <laughs> I'm a game. <laughs> yeah. There's something with the buttons. I wanted them different. Yeah. <laughs> Bite, no, biting, like, biting criticism right there. Really. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like the confirm was the circle or something. It was like old school PlayStation um, layout, and it was confusing. That would be confusing. all things that I would have gotten used to. I'm sure if I played it for another half hour. 
Um, my worst game, I don't know. <laughs> it was Ghost of Tsushima, but I also had on runner-up, I had uh, Doom Eternal, Whoa. which is, I think, straightforward. It's not very interesting to explain why that game sucks, but it's just like, you make Doom 2016, and that thing was so pure, and like... Uh, it definitely like it had problems with it for sure. There was yeah, like, it didn't have the Gatling chain, or it didn't have the cha- the shotgun the super grappling shotgun. hook that Eternal oh, wait, has. Yeah. You motherfucker! <laughs> no, that thing was cool. It's just they took Doom twenty sixteen is so I think such a beautifully designed game, and then Doom Eternal is just like that sequel thing of just too much shit. And it took itself way too seriously, which it really was the Doom 2 to Doom 1, like in the original sense too. Like just the levels were needlessly convoluted and it's like things were bloated and I don't know. Anyway. And then my the other runner up I had was Tilu 2. I just said Tilu 2 because Wait, that's what? how I wrote it. Down. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? I was like, what is this a game I haven't... Yeah, <laughs> when did that the one come out? It's like a it's like a cute indie game, Tilu too. <laughs> uh, sorry, that's how I had it written on this little like desk pad sticky note thing. We're just going after <laughs> the ire of all the most intense console fanboys. Uh, yeah, I want them all to. No, the Last of Us Two, I think was. I, I think there are some things about that game that are admirable. I think the end result of it is like an indictment of video games as a medium of <laughs> of sequelization and of like kind of funny in a certain sense of like the last of us one uh it's like one of those sequels that makes you look back and be like he was lucky these these people were lucky and especially like Druckmann like if he had made a few different choices which he evidently had in him that game would have fucking sucked but instead it was great like and then in the last of us 2 he like i'm just saying he it's an entire studio but you know he wants all the credit for it so i guess he should have all the credit for it is um it just like just like facile arguments about what humanity is all the worst stuff about the last of us that you could excuse because of different aspects of it that kind of redeemed it are all brought forth in the last of us too um just like big and bloated and unnecessary and i don't know that game that game blew i think <laughs> anyway yeah no you're we... you're not wrong <laughs> i, agree. I didn't play that one it. either it's yeah it's not worth it i will say like whereas like ghost of tsushima just be like just don't the last of us 2 is something at least to kind of see, like, if you care at all about The Last of Us. Well, one. so I haven't played The Last of Us 1 either because I haven't had a PlayStation in a very long time. Oh. So, Did you just, like, skip this whole generation? Basically. Well, I, I had an Xbox One, and so oh, I just I didn't have a PlayStation, and I didn't have a PlayStation mm-hmm. before that either. I've just never yeah. been a PlayStation person. That's fair. Now I have one. I mean, hey. yeah, play Last of Us 1 for sure. I would mm-hmm. say, um, I think it's a much better game, mm. and much more like th- I mean, because yeah, I think I don't think two is bringing. Uh, yeah, I don't. I agree with that. I don't think it's bringing stuff to the table that one didn't 
cover in a more eloquent and and abridged way even though it's also like really long <laughs> like over 20 hours long um it still like felt like everything that was in it it didn't feel as self-indulgent as the second one mm. really really does feel where it's just like we're gonna like like spend as m- we're gonna get we're gonna make you spend as much time as we want to like dwell in this t- every crevice of this story um and you know like it, it has that 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 feeling of needing to be this like epic opus uh for Druckmann that that, that one feels like there's a bit more trying you know it's anything it's any kind of like new creative work like it's more I think trying to it's not as like it hasn't gotten the congratulations yet like it hasn't gotten the adulation where everybody's saying it's mm. the best game mm-hmm. of all time um so you're so it still has the need to prove itself and the need to to be more conservative in what it's doing. Cause yeah, th- I think the more that the more the more they explain the background of the story and his thinking that goes into it, the worse it is for sure. <laughs> yeah, I would be curious to see I to play the Last of Us one again at this point, having played the second one. But I. Uh, I thought that that first game, you know, and it should still feel this way, <laughs> especially for you, Nicole. If you, you know, going into it now, I think that first one is like there's a lot of really great stuff in it, and I think um, even in The Last of Us Two, there's a lot of great uh, just sort of like character writing that ends up betrayed as it goes along. But those games are really great at, I think, some of the best in video games at, at sort of creating, um, you know, a character you can kind of believe in. Um, in The Last of Us 2, though, it's they they string those characters along so extensively that their motivations and everything become in just ridiculous. But anyway, it's a long way of saying I think you should definitely still play Last of Us 1. I think I will. Should we talk about good games now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless, Ethan, you were suspiciously quiet about <laughs> The Last of Us Part 2. <laughs> is it because, as I've heard, Kotaku is in the pocket of Sony? Uh, we, uh, Big drug yeah. man. I was, uh, I'm trying to think. Um, no, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hack it with that game. Um, it, it was like, I, I bought it at the same time of, as Ghost of Tsushima and it sat there uh, I, I played like half an hour of it an hour of it one night and I just like could not bring myself to go back there um, to, to I, I just it was not I just couldn't <laughs> not not as a reflection <laughs> yeah. on anything necessarily being able to critique the game itself but just like uh, mm-hmm. I, d- I didn't want to see people just like massacred up close uh, in mm. super expensive yeah. detail yeah, they really go um, all in on that that stuff. Which I think I don't know. I don't want to turn this into a whole <laughs> Last of Us podcast. <laughs> we already have one of those. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think the brutality of those games. In the first game, you're like, yes, I see why you did this, and I have gone to bat a lot for the brutality in the first one being essential to its successes and the second one it gets a little Eli Rothian you know just like 
here's how we can model human misery. <laughs> like, like, look at us go. Mm -hmm. It's like even like when they're getting tortured, they even have like sunburns in certain points. You know, you're like, yeah, look at this attention to detail <laughs> <laughs> of just how awful we can make it look for these people. Um. Anyway, good good game. Uh, let's talk about good stuff. Do the same order, Yusuf. Let's reverse it because I don't want to just, you know, I want to. But then I want Ethan's you to keep talking this time. It's no, not going to be fair. It's what? It's your turn, Reed. Don't don't uh don't forget about you. <laughs> let's hear your best. Okay, <laughs> well mine will be pretty quick actually. Uh, Kentucky Route Zero, um, the fifth act, and then also I guess this is a good. I would defend the fifth act being the best thing I played this year, and then also I think being able to then go back and play the entire game um, was I, I think cemented the fact that I, I think it's just one of the best uh, one of the best games I've ever played and I think like you know beyond that too sort of the, the way I would talk about something like a Disco Elysium as well is just like one of the better stories I've encountered and you know, one of the better works of art of the last like 10 years um, and, and I think the way it ends is perfect it's it initially you're playing it and it feels very sort of abrupt and um, like kind of like oh it, it seemed like there was more that you wanted to get across and it's but it's just it's just like a really beautiful coda that was like the rest of the game like hopeful without being uh, saccharine or mm. being unrealistic about what there is to be hopeful about and I don't know it's just beautiful and then playing the entire thing again together with um, being able not to you know have to wonder about uh, what things you were forgetting and so forth like it's just a, a hell of a thing um, and felt very applicable also in a year where I think there's been so much like international horror and then just like in personal life stuff too like I, I think I kind of wrote about this when I wrote about the game for the month we did on it but there's also like a big thing to play <laughs> uh, you know like I I moved out of a place where I was living for a long time and it was you know kind of the effect of being like a city that you love is is for millionaires now and mm. watching the culture die in in a city that um, used to be a lot more vibrant not to say that there isn't that kind of thing going on still but you know it hit home a lot uh, and that stuff always does but this year it was like very like I played the last act of this thing and then a month later I was packing boxes um, so it kind of hit on a personal level too but I you know I, I I think even aside from that I think it's just um, like very astute and very truthful and it doesn't feel beholden to uh, trends in video games it feels like something that other people will look to for inspiration rather than it being um, 
basing itself off existing successes. Anyway, yeah, so that was to me the big standout. And then I had Amnesia Rebirth as a runner up, which is, I think, an interesting game. But the things I, I loved about that were overshadowed by something like Kentucky or Thero. So that was mostly just to have it there in case one of you said. <laughs> Kentucky Route Zero before me. <laughs> anyway, so should we go to... Are we going to go reverse order? So go to Ethan then? Yeah. Unless any of you want to talk about... About the Zero. Fuck that game. No, that game is great. I think it's... Underrated is probably a weird thing to say, but I, it's just like... Such a standout game. Um that I feel like maybe it's one of those games that just episodically hurts it in the like consciousness of people and how it gets discussed. Like if that whole game had just dropped this year, I think people would it would be like people wouldn't be able to stop talking about it. Yeah. It's also like but it's still also impressive that it had such a long lifespan. In some ways it the episodic also helped it because it like you know came out started like a decade ago or whatever um and so much has changed around it <laughs> and it's managed to keep up with that and still be you know still release something that's that more than stand you know more than more than compares with the rest of what's coming out right now um yeah so i think that it's like it's just really it feels like it's just, it's in its own league mm. in many ways yeah, well, I think it that also speaks to how kind of uh, I don't know in touch with something beyond just like you know imagine this game was just very much like uh, it's a horrible example, but if it was just like concerned with the issues raised by Occupy Wall Street <laughs> or something, you know, <laughs> and it's like oh well, you know, Occupy Wall Street was still an important uh, event and it's still something that has a lot of reverberations to today but in some ways it feels like kind of quaint compared to where things have gone since um, hmm. but I think this game was like broad enough in in looking at the you know looking at it's so weird how like almost encyclopedic this game is with um the stuff it's concerned about like how thorough it is at kind of dissecting not just you know not just Kentucky which may or may not be you know super accurate Amanda Hudgens wrote a good piece for our issue on Kentucky Route Zero about like the specifics of this game but I think this game does very much speak to at least to like what it's like to be living in southern Ontario right now as well um and it like kind of catalogs all these different things like environmental destruction, like uh, our relationship to technology, you know, uh, gentrification, and you know this and that and the other. And it's um, yeah, and I think that's part of the reason it like is able to remain so relevant is mm -hmm. it's not trendy in a sense, even though it does speak to trends. Yeah. Anyway, I want to marry it when I grow yeah, up. Yeah, put that one on the box. <laughs> it's trendy. What would you, you say? It's trendy, but it doesn't... Chase trends. 
Oh, I thought you were Trent, talking about Trent putting Trent I'd marry it onto the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One, one, one I'd one marry of it. Read McCarter. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> uh, yeah, anything else about Kentucky Road Zero? Did we all play it? No, like, despite my list of games being two pages long, I haven't played basically any of the games you guys mentioned, so... <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, should... I haven't played it. I haven't started it even. I, I... Not one. You should definitely yeah. play it, Nicole. It's, um, it's on everything now, too. And I imagine it would be nice to play on the TV as well. I only recently downloaded it. Oh, it's on it the Switch. Switch yeah. For for game of the year stuff, uh, I had having, having not played the earlier acts, and uh, I was blown away. Mm. Yeah, the, the Switch version is quite good. I recommend it. Yeah, it's. I know it's like one of those things too, where you probably hear, like stuff where you hear about it so constantly over a long period of time, <laughs> and it feels like yeah, well I know what this is then. Yeah, it's like the Shit's Creek for me. My mom mm-hmm. just keeps saying, watch Shit's Creek. It's so much that I don't want to watch it. And... <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that show caught on outside of Canada. <laughs> to me, it feels like such like a... Uh, the CBC here, which is like Canadian BBC, so with, with everything that means, mm-hmm. um, will finance like kind of funny but not that funny kind of like primetime shows <laughs> <laughs> and Shit's Creek to me Go feels on. so much like one of those Yeah, except it's got Eugene Levy I mean that does right describe there. it pretty well <laughs> like it's like very enjoyable but it's not like I'm not it doesn't usually have me like cracking up that much it's just like it's very pleasant, pleasant. yeah it's very pleasant it's very Canadian is it? I I think so I will see is this what really you said in America? America? I think it's I think actually my partner watched all of it um and we were talking about that and I think it's one of the the classic Canadian thing of uh don't say things specifically too often <laughs> too I think they're supposed to be from like New York City or something yeah they're from some city but it could be Toronto who knows maybe maybe <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome for bringing that up mm, yeah Let's just talk about shit. Let's do a, t- a let's do yeah. TV episode. I, I could talk about that. I like Dan Levy though. I think yeah, he seems like I a like nice Dan. guy. He's great. <laughs> he looks like a friend of mine. That's nice. Nice. Um. Okay, so let's go then to yeah. If we're going backwards, yeah, I'll go, I'll go real fast to to help uh, make up some time. It's not an exciting or necessarily provocative answer, but I'm gonna go with Hades. Um, I think it it. Again, not exciting to say it checked all the boxes, but I think it checked all the boxes uh, <laughs> for me in terms of being uh, just a gorgeous game, beautifully uh, directed, uh, animated. It handles like a dream. Um, it's just, uh, just a joy to pick up and start playing and has really interesting builds and like an RPG progression. I, one of the things I hate, I love RPGs, JRPGs, one of the things I hate about them is how archaically almost it feels like they need to draw out their progression across like 50 hours or something. Um, one of the things I love about Dota 2 mm-hmm. is that you get to go through an entire Diablo progression in like an hour or less. 
and yet it doesn't feel like it feels completely natural and like you know by the end of it you're like oh my gosh I've got this great character and it's got all these different moves and armor and whatever um, Hades is great about like doing that but also just like giving you I, I, I the way as a roguelike like or however people want to uh, debate that uh, I think it just does a great job of letting you pursue interesting builds and augment them and never necessarily I, I at least never necessarily felt like uh, where I have with some roguelikes where I just like feel like I'm, I'm going to hit the lottery or I'm not on a big given run and so it's like alright well I'll just like keep dying until I get the thing I want uh, and then I'll make a go of it and then the story I think the way that um, they weave together and build out this interesting it, it feels like they somehow created a visual novel inside of a game that's like mm. the antithesis of a visual novel mm-hmm. and they like snuck it in there and spread it out and interspersed it in such a way that it like tricks you into not realizing that you have just been enjoying um, all of this interspliced dialogue that like is completely worthwhile on its own but then integrated into this experience which I think kind of helps it breathes life into it in a different way which I think is a, something a lot of like walking sims visual novels this year especially have sort of like done like have shown by just introducing a few different gameplay elements how much you can like draw out what is interesting and vibrant and exciting about a particular story like that um without Mm -hmm. necessarily going into detail on some games that other people might mention um but yeah so hades is great i loved it i thought i was gonna hate hades because I thought I wouldn't be into the roguelike thing. But boy, that story, it just hooked me. And then I'm like, wait, I like this genre. <laughs> and now I'm like, I, it bl- blew my mind in a good way. There was, I think, it, like also the smart stuff too of, what was it called? Like the god mode mm-hmm. or whatever it was, where at first I when I saw that I was like I'm not going to turn that on but also I don't care Reads that much about being that good at this thing <laughs> no but I was like it's going to make you like it's going to make this like wait so easy that it's like here just read the text you know like flail around for a while and then read the text um, when I did want like a bit more friction than that but um, that thing's like really neat how it kind of works with your ability or lack thereof like I don't know if anyone else used it I did eventually just because I was interested enough in story and I liked the feel of playing it but I just like I knew I wasn't going to I was like at the point where I'm like oh if I lose a few more runs I'm probably just gonna like stop playing this thing because I don't care that much um so I might as well turn this on and I think it what does it do it's like a two percent difference every like you get two percent <laughs> less damage or something every time you die um which is like a great incentive because it's like nudging the slider like the <laughs> tiniest little bit but if you die like a ton of times it's going to add up to quite a bit um and I thought that thing was really cool too as a way to there's a lot of stuff in this game that turns something like a roguelike, which I'm like Nicole. I'm like, yeah, like I can see the appeal, but also I personally just don't have the drive to like get really good 
at that kind of game. Um, and I think this game did a lot to like appeal to people who wanted it both ways without really like sacrificing what could be good about either approach. I thought it was pronounced Hades. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. You, you, didn't leave the, you didn't leave the podcast if that's what you actually thought. <laughs> I just thought that would be... <laughs> it's like the idea of someone being like uh, Super Giants hates <laughs> the <end of> year. <laughs> um, anything else we want to say, Ethan? Uh, is, there, is there anything else you want to get to about no, hates? Great. Um, <laughs> I think uh, it did. Um, I don't know, it just weaved together a bunch of things. I, I've had, like, Bastion, uh, Transistor, Empire have all had great elements and ones that didn't work so well or felt kind of, like, not fully formed. Um, and I think Hades in every way felt balanced. And it, it's weird because it feels like you can shoot uh, for the moon and, like, get halfway... Um, but there's something like so off-putting about that, I guess, because in, in reality you'd be like stuck in space and that would suck. But like, whereas like a game that <laughs> aims much like lower, but successfully gets there, like I don't know, it, it, it for it, like rates much higher for me. And I think Hades does like not to s not to say that its story ambitions are in any way um, narrow, but that it it just does like so many of these basic bread and butter things so good mm -hmm. and sometimes sometimes that's like enough it's like you know it's just it's the reason why it's like mario is so great um i think like hades is like re it's it's like set a bar within that genre of like top-down action game because also, also there's been so many of them and like i love hyper like drifter and other but there's always like there's just things that don't work in them and i don't think hades suffers from those same problems it's also nice to see Supergiant um, make new things every time they make something. Oh, totally. Which is, it's just, it's super refreshing to, I imagine that must be a lot more enjoyable for, for everyone, like more stimulating to be like, you know, we're not making a sequel to the yeah, game we, we, we made last time. Right you know, now. we're not... <laughs> Yeah, and I wouldn't give a shit, you know? Like, <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, it's so cool. Um, you know, they're lucky, I think, also to have the pedigree. Uh, you know, you can make Bastion at the time that Bastion was made and, and get attention for it. I think now if you made Bastion, it would be... I, I don't know if it would be a harder sell to get people to pay attention. What? And I think you but see that with a lot of games, like has... with Super Meat Boy Forever, and um, there's another one recently. Oh, Splunky too, uh, which I think I've I've, I've played only mm -hmm. a little bit and I've, I've actually really been enjoying it. But I think it's similar where it's like it hasn't made nearly the same splash as the original games did in either category, and it's it's partly you know it's like I forget when the original Splunky came out, but it's, it's things just are so different now. Mm -hmm. That's true. Really um, true. I've noticed that. There's an element of so what to these sequels, 
where it's like you, the kind of the time has passed. I mean, and I haven't played Splunky 2, so I don't know like how much it adds, but it's funny like in light of talking about like Kentucky Route Zero because they kind of they have the same similar period when they came out, like that like kind of new like the new indie games boon um, of the early 2010s, and like yeah, it's kind of a question of of and you know even Bastion that kind of, and like uh, Super Giants like uh, game library and like it's seeing what what stuff is is able to keep up and stay relevant and what stuff feels like it's struggling for relevance fairly or not well yeah and I think there's a certain extent of like I didn't care much about Splunky when it came out probably because just like happenstance I think I reviewed Binding of Isaac and so that was the one that I was like oh yeah okay this is mine that I'm getting into at this point and then another one of those came along and I was just like I don't want to do that again I don't want to invest myself <laughs> into like trying to learn a roguelike um and there is a certain thing with like the <laughs> I think another indictment of games is that the indie boom resulted in a lot of people rushing to make some more of whatever the trend was which meant that like Splunky 2 comes out and you're like, okay, you know, um, not because of the quality of it, but because Splunky came out and everyone wanted to try to do their own thing in that vein. And I don't know. And Supergiant at least has the benefit of maybe intelligently or maybe just like because they want to make interesting stuff of doing something different every time. Nicole? Yes? What's the best game of 2020? Objectively. Uh, objectively. Objectively. <laughs> uh, yeah. My answer, honestly, is not that interesting, but I'm coming from it from, like, an emotional place in that Animal Crossing New Horizons is the best game of 2020. Um, I know this nice. year was super shitty for a lot of people. Um, it was for me as well. Uh, in February, I had a tumor removed from my neck, and a couple weeks later is when Animal Crossing came out. And during that time, I was going through like a pretty bad recovery, you know, a really hard recovery. Mm -hmm. And Animal Crossing was that thing that I did every day. Um, so it brought some consistency to my life that I didn't have um, while I was recovering and kind of didn't have anything else. Um, even before the COVID lockdowns, I was basically at home since January because I, you know, was going to have this surgery, then had that surgery, and then recovering. So it, it did that to me it did the thing for me that I needed and that's why it was so important to me in 2020 um mm -hmm. but my more interesting answer uh was going to be my, my number two I and I don't know if any of you play this Atsushi Wada's My Exercise uh no I think it, is that a switch thing no, um, it was on uh, mobile and also on PC, but it's basically a clicker game, and you push the button to ha have this little kid do a sit-up into his dog's 
happy. <laughs> okay, yes. I Yeah, I saw a screenshot. That's of this. amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's just very absurd, um, joyful, and it's a delight to play. Um, the mechanic of just clicking does so much that just makes the experience so good. Um, what what makes that like more of? Because I remember seeing this going around and being like, <laughs> I, I like this graphic. I don't know if there's enough like that I'm looking at here to make me want to like investigate this thing more like are you are you just tapping like yeah your setups with this dog yep just tapping um but as you're going along different things are you know it, it's kind of like the numbers go up game uh you're counting mm -hmm. the numbers going up but as these things happen and as you're clicking different things start happening within this you know setting and uh even and you know there's an ending to it like you do okay. keep clicking and there is an ending but there are secrets that you can unlock by doing another playthrough hmm. and Ooh. it's it's compelling because it feels like the same thing is going to happen continuously but things change in surprising ways it, it's more of an it's yeah i mean describing it as a clicker game just like says so much about it but it just goes beyond that with how surprising and absurd it is that makes me a lot more can you say the name of it again uh my exercise okay yeah that makes it sound a lot more interesting than i just saw it and was like that's funny they made <laughs> this you know <laughs> yeah yeah um i think it was uh oh shoot I think it was like made into a game by the people who did Kids. If you know that one. Uh, was that was Kids the one that was like the Where's Waldo? No. No, sorry. Never mind. I'm thinking about something that's that was called like Hidden Facts oh, yeah. or something. But yeah, yeah, it it's really interesting and weird and uh, just you know I I didn't see anything else like that from the entire year which is why it stood out for me in such a way and it was surprising that I you know because when I first saw it I approached it as like oh this is funny like you just yeah. click and he does a sit up but I came out of it with like just like being so delighted by it that's awesome okay yeah, yeah I'm gonna check that out then have you ever done a sit up into your dog's side no um my dog his legs are so short I would just go straight <laughs> over his back <laughs> um, just gotta put him up on like on a little pedestal. Yes. Either, when there's a will, there's a way. I, I say. I think. In this yes. situation. <laughs> uh, I'll get back doing, to you on this. Yeah. 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 Breaks. You gotta try it. Out. <laughs> I was doing push-ups one time, and my cat likes to come <laughs> yeah. underneath me, so it like adds like a certain level of uh, <laughs> like higher stakes to it. Like, yeah. If you don't complete this push-up properly, you may claps onto your cat <laughs> yeah whenever yeah, i like so roll up my yoga mat like my cat's always like i'm gonna sit on this because it's a new thing <laughs> <laughs> um then they get annoyed when i move on I, when i actually do exercises they should make a sequel to it which is yeah like cat push-ups or something just scratches <laughs> your face all right <laughs> like well yeah. there, there are so many animals and more 
Oh in my, my exercise. <laughs> okay. Say no okay. more. Uh, it's interesting because, like, that's, uh. I feel like that's also a description of uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Not just that there's a lot of animals, <laughs> but, like, um, the, like, the idea that you're, like, you're clicking and expecting the same thing to happen, but then, like, these different unexpected things happen, uh, which has always been, like, the, the secret of, like, Animal Crossing is, like, no, you're not just, like, performing these, uh, like, rudimentary tasks over and over again to like pay off your debt and just collect stuff like there's like little stories and moments that unfold that like make you want to like build a house in this area and like make you want to like create a life there um virtually and i think it's interesting because it's what i one of the things that actually the reasons i fell off of new horizons was it i felt like i wasn't getting as much of that as i gotten in some past animal crossings and i'm curious what you think nicole in terms of like you know what what for you in your experience like spoke out about the game um that that drew drew you to it beyond just like that this is a uh a fun like escape yeah i think um well so i also fell off animal crossing really hard in the past couple of months um and i think it's because the reason animal crossing was so compelling and so important to me was because i was um, like physically unable to do so much of this stuff you know with the surgery on my neck I could only look forward um, so I couldn't really do anything so these button pushes in Animal Crossing were allowing me to do so much more than I actually could um, hmm. and so that's what stood out to me um, I have played other Animal Crossing games before as well and have always loved them but no game has, no Animal Crossing game has had that kind of impact on me before, um, and and so now when I go back to it, it feels different, um, and and that's kind of bittersweet because it was like so much to me at that time, and now it's just like, eh, you know, just like take a funny screenshot and then <laughs> log off. It's it is pretty. Uh, like powerful and it's something that you actually you don't see in a ton of games like the Animal Crossing thing of the like the regularity of it you know the thing that's like well here's a little thing that I'm checking back on and you know it's not like a, a Firmville or something where it's like uh, yelling at you to check back on it it's just like nah, I kind of want to go and see what's happening and almost like what Ethan said too about like you're doing the same stuff, but there's going to be little surprises uh, coming up here and there. And um, right there, yeah, there was. Oh, sorry. No, no. I was going to say there's a lot to be said for that kind of like something that's like not meant to be sit sat down with and played, you know, until you're sick of it. But something that you just kind of like check in with and poke at. Yeah. There was, there was one time where I had really great turnip selling prices and I posted it to my work Slack and to like all of Fox Media and, um, <laughs> and it was really early on in the pandemic you know I was still recovering and just like feeling shitty but I just put my switch in the dock on, on the TV and just like let it run all day with people visiting me um, and just kind of like doing the reactions and like waving at people and 
just nonstop, literally for eight hours. People just kept rolling into my island all day, and it was honestly one of like, it was such a it it feels like such a good memory to me, and it feels like a memory that's not virtual, you know. Right. It feels like something that actually and, and it did actually happen, you know. But it 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 has a place like in my mind as something that goes beyond video games. Yeah, and it was also interesting, too, with you don't see this that often where Animal Crossing was such a... It's like Game of Thrones. It's probably the last time that it was like everyone was paying attention to Mm -hmm. something. Uh, You know, you get this with sports, too, but like in terms of uh, like media coming out that, you know, things are fractured now. That's just the nature of things. You know, you can't have the Beatles again. It's uh, and there was something with Animal Crossing coming out at a time where everyone was like, "This sucks." I'm, you know, like Nicole, you had a, a really horrible example of that, but there was also like the smaller scale of just people being like, "Man, everything's just weird," and I guess I'm not supposed to go anywhere. Oh, now I'm not allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> right. And just like being like, "Well, here's this nice little sunshine." <laughs> place that I go and I farm things and it's just like I don't know yeah and on the flip side yeah on the flip side of that the ubiquity of the game almost felt like sort of its downfall for me when like Mm. you know I'm getting five emails a day about a brand that's opening it's up its new island like culminating in like ally bank opening up an island like it just yeah it just feels so absurd and that's when it kind of felt like okay um, all right yeah i think yes and especially i think with the (laughs) the media aspect of it too like i wrote a few little things about like because how could you not when there was so much stuff going on wrote a few little like AV club things about Animal Crossing stuff like when people are doing this and then it was just like and it's still coming in I think I got one last week that was like check out what this brand did in Animal Crossing it's yeah like, it's <laughs> you've ruined it you've <laughs> you've come and you put up hotels on our little island <laughs> and now even we... though it was made by Nintendo yeah <laughs> That also ties into like the um, turnip exchange stuff because I got into that and that was like definitely like the last thing that I did a lot of in Animal Crossing, <laughs> where uh, you could just go on a website where everybody, people with high turnip prices, uh, who are strangers to you, will just post their prices and you can like or post their island codes and you can go visit uh, visit the island and and sell turnips there for like a like in a small surcharge. But it was it, it was like so nakedly capitalist <laughs> and oh, it was yeah. like in such a hilarious way like that you know both was at odds with the tone of the game but also felt kind of fitting with it um just like the idea of going to somebody's cute island that also like had like (laughs) brick walls that were like (laughs) leading you to their store where you (laughs) that you couldn't get out of uh these like little like walled walled gardens um literally walled gardens of like of commerce and but then i would kind of come away with it i I probably still have like millions and millions of bells in my bank account (laughs) that i don't know what I would possibly spend on, um, so it just got yeah, it kind of got to this silly point where it just you're just like kind of over 
encumbered with wealth. That's um. how I felt. <laughs> and and this this is um a side note, not really about what you were saying, but somewhat related. Is that Ariana Grande's mother tweeted at me in oh, yeah. desperation <laughs> to figure out how to reverse her turn up spoiling. I remember that. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty I cool. That. That's pretty yeah. cool. And yeah, so so that, what did you tell her? So it was everywhere. Um, unfortunately, Ariana Grande's mother, you cannot reverse your turn up spoiling. You can't even go Aww. back in time. You can't even rewind the time on the switch. That's what makes the oh, um, makes to the turn up yeah. spoil is if you time travel. Yeah. So I we know Ariana, Ariana Grande's mom was time traveling. <laughs> oh. What a cheat! What a dirty cheat! <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, that was. I think the last act. I the last action I took in <laughs> in Animal Crossing was giving away all my worldly possessions to. Uh, my brother for my <laughs> so my nieces could enjoy all my, all my items and money and stuff i was just like i don't need this i'm you know it's like someone like going backpacking who was just like fuck it like take whatever you want <laughs> it's I'm, doing now. <laughs> I'm practicing minimalism now yeah <laughs> it's like the inside of your um your like little animal crossing house like the shot from the searchers at the end of the movie where there's like an open door <laughs> to see Reed yeah, walking off. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. My little cartoon person walking <laughs> off. Oh, thank uh, you for that. <laughs> I'm really getting a kick out of that bitch if you can't tell. Um so I guess Yusuf, it's just you. Yeah, I'll close it out. Um, no, no problem. Um, I, I, I think my favorite game this year, of the few that I considered like f great, was Umurangi Generation. Yes. 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 Um, and I just recently played Reed it. Reed hates this, but so it's also like fresh, fresher in my mind. Mm -hmm. What Reed likes Umurangi, doesn't I'm he? So, I'm just, I'm Did just he play to start Umurangi? You. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh I did didn't you play like it yet? First. I played it. Oh, you played it. I was yeah. extremely skeptical for the first like <laughs> three levels. I was like, "This is not. This is not." Good. <laughs> but it grew in you. It won me over the part where you go, and then all of a sudden, there's. I guess this is a spoiler alert for the part where you start a level, and there's like this gunfight going on. Oh yeah! Once the gun, once the shootings are happen, classic yeah. bullet points. <laughs> read. He did. Perks right up. <laughs> We finally some now it's a video game. <laughs> you're, you're joking. You know? uh, uh, sorry, yeah. Yusuf, I cut you off. Yeah, no, it's it, it is really cool the way it's like it's one of the things that's cool about it is that it like sneaks in narrative, um, and sometimes mm. like throw like you know dumps in narrative, but it do, you know doesn't start off in that way, and, and it, it does basically you know it's a photography game where you run you run around and you have a list of things to shoot, so it's like. Um, and it's taking place in these futuristic, like cyberpunk, uh, sort of run, like kind of mid-apocalypse uh, future cities, and has like a lot of like feels like a lot of anime influences, a lot of kind of like very, very youthful, very like spirited uh, aesthetic. Um, you know, like your friends are all skater punks and like graffiti kids and. And there's boom boxes in every level, and the, the soundtrack is like pretty pretty awesome and very like um, 
and definitely, definitely has that youthful energy. Like, it's like kind of like a modern version of like, you know, like hackers or something when they go to the cool club and hackers, and it's like people skating and like playing arcade games. Like, it just has that like cool like or like the the foot the Foot Clan hideout in Ninja Turtles. It's another reference of that. Like, where it's <laughs> like where the teens hang out. Um, and that guy offers you menthol <laughs> or regular. <laughs> yeah. Remember that guy? And wait, in which one? In Ninja Turtles, when you go to the Foot Clan. Oh, right? yeah. There's like, people like skating on a half pipe, and then he's like, you want menthol or regular? <laughs> I just remember they're all like drinking. He's like holding a... Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're edgy cheese. The, well, the only adult there is Shredder, and you can't get him to buy you a six-pack. Like, <laughs> no. No one's, no one's going to let him buy a six-pack. Um, you have to rob it yourself. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's like it's that vibe, but like not as you know, obviously not cringy. Um, but I think it's like it's it it has such a confident and bold aesthetic that it sticks with you um, in a way that a lot of video game aesthetics kind of roll off your back. Like I, th- like I definitely like after playing it, um, even though it's a really short game. Like I was just like thinking about the art and the um, and the atmosphere of the games. Um, and like it kept like kind of coming to re like coming coming back to coming back to mind because I think they they're it does a really good job at at you know put like filling the world with just enough stuff that like what's there is important but it also doesn't feel like like empty or or or, or um, minimalist like it still feels really cluttered but it also has such a it's just a really strong visual direction. Um, I was actually I wrote something about it recently for Unwinnable, um, because in there's such I haven't played Cyberpunk yet, but I was thinking about um, stuff we were talking about with with uh, Call of Duty Black Ops, where there had there were these levels like the or the Cold War one. There's, there's these new levels that there's levels in the new game that are really cluttered, full of stuff. The polish is out of control. Um, there's a bar that has a million like photo- photographs of, in it and posters and 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 um, almost has that like what would be like kind of a edgy punky vibe and then you just run through it immediately and like you don't <laughs> you aren't expected to ever like look at it um, mm. and you aren't expected to observe and 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 experience it like it's just backdrop for the for the set this is a set piece for the action to, to take place on top of it. And in Umurangi, I think, I mean, it's novel because obviously the game is about looking at your environment. Um, and I think in that way, it almost like it justifies its aesthetic and its devotion devotion to like having a really like strong art style because it's about guiding the player through that art style versus just giving the using it as a tone tone setter. Like it's using it as like an actual subject and object for like for the player to to experience and to and to also add their own um their own like take on their own perspective to because you're framing everything you you have four or five cameras or whatever and 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 lenses and and depth of field and and um color correction and all sorts of things you can you can um can color the world that, that they've already built with um and that's inherent to any, you know any kind of photography. It's like this beauty of photography is you can shoot anything, and if it's like done in in a compelling enough way, it becomes like something completely different. And I think with Umurangi you have that where it's like the the palette is simple enough that you're not overwhelmed with 
detail, but it's also like, and, it, and then and then therefore allows you to add complexity as a player, and it allows you to like frame it and to create something that you can feel like is your own, at the same time as it being obviously as it exists within the experience of the game. But I, I really enjoy that kind of mixing and the remixing of of um, aesthetic and tone that the game allows you to do that like you know you just wouldn't see in a game that's like more polished and more ex- and more um i think that that would expect the the art style to be more of a of a background or a backdrop to some other form of action like shooting mm-hmm. as an example <laughs> you just perfectly summed up what <laughs> i love so much about this game uh and just going with that aesthetic the music is just incredible yeah Wait, who's the, the, did you play the the dlc did not yeah um <laughs> well i won't spoil it too much but there's like a really great dj <laughs> um <laughs> and he just talks nonstop, like one of the levels yeah the dlc is like so good <laughs> like it actually like yeah, it, I was, yeah i was gonna say like what's the context for the dlc um it, that's the one thing i was thinking about like i played it and i was like dlc Mm, yeah um it i don't know how much it like narratively reflects the original like the main game like i think the obviously like the game ends in a very like uh final way (laughs) more or less Mm -hmm. like it doesn't like really leave room for like extension but i think the dlc is kind of i mean it's basically just like another series of levels um and but they're like there's a lo- there's feels like they you know it feels like um really worth the the extra investment because they they put okay. the, and they're they're big some, a lot of them are like much bigger and more ambitious and um there's stuff they do with the narrative that's really cool too where they kind of um there is more there like there there are like moments where you know you'll go into a space and the music will cut off and then there'll be like ambient sound and like you'll see stuff that kind of like is reflective of the of that wants you to that wants to like kind of you know give you a bit of narrative there even though it's not really like it's all like environmental narrative but it's like there's more moments of maybe more typical exploration um interactivity so yeah like it's it's definitely like it feels like i mean i haven't finished yet but it, it adds some really cool stuff to the original formula and it gives you rollerblades Hell which yeah. is great <laughs> they'll leave a cool go. neon trail um i should say uh thank you to nicole for actually uh, <laughs> there's a, a slack that we're in where i think i played the first like half hour of umarangi and i was like man fuck this this is <laughs> I don't think it was maybe not that dismissive, but I was like, this game, everyone was like, oh, it's so. I was like, this sh- it's just like a bunch of shit that has been done elsewhere, and it's like put together, and it felt very like trying too hard in a <laughs> sense of like, I don't know, like the hackers thing actually <laughs> makes a lot of sense or the Foot Clan kids, and it was just like, okay, like this weird sort of like removed cool that was like trying too hard and was becoming like embarrassing through it and the music i was just like the at least the first two levels or something i was just like I, like this sounds like 
what is this crazy horrible. stuff that kids are listening to? <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I was actually gonna say it sounded like old trip hop stuff, like, uh, yeah. like stuff you would hear like on the back half of like some fucking like Ninja Tunes <laughs> or something. And I was just like, this is like not new. This is not anything. You know, mm. it's um, and but I kept going with it, and I'm really glad I did. I think I said this to Nicole, and Nicole, you were like, well, it's one of my favorite games of this year so far. And I was like, well, Nicole's like, I don't know, I trust your opinion, so I was like, <laughs> I'll keep going with this thing. And it it was a lot more sort of like, it, it actually was that, I think, that part where you're like, okay, look at, like, there is sort of like a tighter direction to what this, this is here when you go into that thing, and it's like a gunfight, and you're like, okay, like, no, there's like, it's not just sort of, here's the backdrop like look at this stuff and uh you know the world building isn't just you know fuck the un <laughs> on something which is like you know was, uh, now looking back i'm like yeah i guess that like fits in with the stuff but at the time it's just like come on it's like such video game graffiti <laughs> um but yeah by the end of it i was like okay that was that was that was really great uh it would complete like spun around from my initial impression I, my one big problem with it was that the first time I tried to play it I just got I played the first two levels and I was just like knocked out of commission with motion sickness mm. oh yeah like I threw up after I played because I just was so oh, no. so so sick um, mm. and the next time I came and so I avoided it for a very long time because sure. I thought uh, yeah <laughs> But I played it on a smaller screen. I played it on on my laptop after, and it was fine. Mm. So the movement is kind of like really like fast or something in it. I think I it's like a it's fast and it's all it's slippery. Mm. Like because yeah. like kind of when you're like on a like the the, the whatever that friction and that like went to stopping like isn't super like fine tuned, so you kind of slip around and things yeah. like that. Motion blur kind of thing as well. Um, mm. Yeah, it's the only knock against it. Definitely a two two out of five in the in the playability category. <laughs> uh, no, I like I I there were enough time. Like it's weird to say, but like for an immersive uh, immersive type game, it like definitely broke it a couple times for me, where I was just like fighting the controls to like get to a certain place to take a shot, and not like a fun platformy way but just in like a this is broken I don't know where my feet are like what's going on yeah yeah some of the jumps and stuff too are like the movement the double jumps is not what (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I I think it it does work best when you're and they do lean into it like stuff like that that level that's just like in a train car I love it where you are (laughs) very much just like is the whole essence of that game like boiled down to like here's a small space you know it's all in here somewhere like get to just like positioning yourself in different ways and finding angles which you know cuts down on the movement like trying to jump places which is was always sort of like a roll of the dice of like if you'd be able to make a jump one time that you made before you know mm-hmm. um, yeah I feel bad though. Also, too, Nicole, I'm like, oh, I thought it was derivative the first two levels, and you're like, yeah, I went and vomited, <laughs> <laughs> and I came back to it. Okay. Uh, Ghost Runner made me want to throw up. That was in, in top games that made me want to throw up this year. 
Yeah, Microsoft Flight Simulator mm. also on a top game that made me throw up this year. Oh. Yeah. Maybe that yeah. should just be the new end of year thing is. We just talk about things. Like, just honestly, there's an unfortunate amount on my list because I have very severe motion sickness. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it'd be like yeah. So fun fact, it'd be like the EGM, uh, like weird looking, like you know, guy with, su- with yeah, the heads with like the super like electrified hair and stuff. But it's just like you know how many barbs he got. <laughs> <laughs> just like a face that's like slowly getting like paler and sadder. <laughs> My <laughs> Microsoft Flight Simulator gets a lot of barbs. Oh, well, I guess it's ac- it's pretty accurate to flying. Yeah, actually, we were joking about that. It's like, you know what? It's, it's accurate. Yeah, I really want to nail that, you know, it comes with a barf bag or whatever, like, in the, in the box. Very watered-down cocktail and my <laughs> barf bag, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I guess I guess that's it, then. Now, Are there any games coming we, up between now and New Year's, though? Because then, you know, there's stuff. There's stuff I want to play. Is there? Like what? Uh, there's nothing I want to play. Know. I don't want to play games ever. <laughs> it's too much. Too many. I want to play. Well, it's your fault, Yusuf. I want to play that, that Star Wars game where you're in the ship. Squadron. Oh, squadrons. Squad squadrons. Star Wars squadrons. That was up. Yeah, um, that's up there for me. That was, that was fun. Oh, yeah. That was a good, clean, good, clean fun. It's like very close to like. I think that would have been like a, a interesting game of the year contender on like a lot of lists if, because it it like does a, it does some things very well and if it just if it done a mm-hmm. few more things really well it would have been like oh, okay this is like excellent. Yeah, they should have had romance yeah. with the audience. <laughs> yep, that would have done it. <laughs> they should have had a yeah like a visual novel. They game. just had a, a terminal in in the cockpit that you could like. You know, there's a whole email section with, with uh, everyone across the fleet. Yeah, a little like the yeah, text romance game. That'd be kind of sick. Get constantly getting shot um, down because you're like sending heart emojis at your co-pilots. Wiping left on your. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, and I, you know a Star Wars game where you could romance. What's that? That little. A little guy who like lives in Jabba's fold, <laughs> little Muppet. <laughs> oh, it's like Hieronymus Bosch, but not really. It's like something that sounds like that. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it's actually it is Hieronymus Bosch. That's what he's. <laughs> That's what he actually him looks painting like. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I want that thing as a romanceable Star Wars option. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I think. Uh, no, nothing else is coming out. I think Cyberpunk got delayed again and it's coming out. <laughs> That's a funny video game joke. <laughs> uh, no, there's other stuff I want to check out. I want to check out that there uh, Yakuza. Yeah. I'd like to do um, that too. And I want to play, I didn't get to play Tales from Off Peak City. Um, Cosmo D. Yeah, I don't I know. I played if... the demo at some point um, and I wanted to be like, get to it. Uh, to be like, this, the true art video game of the year but I didn't get to it I, I hate to say it but I think I had less of a fire under my butt because of Off Peak exists like the original you know I, I was kind of like well I guess this is more of that <laughs> but I think 
It's a classic classic gamer dilemma. Wait. Well, no, I mean it's just like, well, I've you know I I played that you know uh, why am I forgetting what the original is called now? It has off peak in the name as well. Um, oh, burn yeah, bed. Just... Burn not burn bed. Wait, that's a different game. Okay, sorry. I'm like half a I'm, actually... I'm trying to find the name of the alien that lives next lives on Java. Oh, <laughs> well, maybe it is its name. Is it Salacious Crumb? Salacious <laughs> <laughs> B Salacious B Crumb. That's a fucking stupid ass name. No, that's a. It is a stupid <laughs> name. That would be a a very sexy date sim name. It's a salacious <laughs> little crumb. Yeah, I guess that makes sense now. Think about it. Um, that thing's gross. I love its attitude, though. I yeah. love like Jim Henson should have oh, yeah. been able to make some more like nasty, uh, nasty Muppets. <laughs> he did get to, but he didn't get to make as many as he, he could have. Um, anyway. Yeah, I think that's it. We'll there's, save we'll save that for our Muppet though. podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's next. our new podcast. Yeah. Add, add, it, add it to the docket. Mm. <laughs> is there, is our worst Final movie of the year actually Final Fantasy thirteen? I think so, considering that it's just <laughs> been like a fucking <laughs> albatross. Like, <laughs> um, have you guys played that game? No. It's it's I mean it's interesting. Uh it's a uh, perfectly good writing fodder. The second half of the game is much stronger than the first. I, I mean that's the joke. Everyone says that. But people say that for the wrong reasons. Uh people there's like a part in the game where you get to like a more traditional open RPG section and people are like that's when it gets yeah, good, that's but that's like super late, but it's just the whole second half of the game is much more is much more better <laughs> than the first yeah. half which is uh extremely it's like I it, I feel like it has like the cyberpunk issue of just like they front loaded a bunch of bullshit because they thought that's what people wanted. They actually, uh, interestingly mm. enough, they they tried to model that game uh, after Halo. It was follow, following Dude, the success what? of Halo. That's that's partly why it's so linear. Um, they were huh. like, "Well, we're we're gonna make oh. like the first person shooter uh, version of yeah. way less linear." Remember that part? Remember how Halo, the second half of the game, <laughs> just returned it like running backward through the whole game. <laughs> People love that part, so let's let's nail that. Let's make a game out of that. I mean, I, I, I yeah, there are parts that that I like about Final Fantasy Thirteen. I just don't appreciate being forced to play it for it's this so podcast. No. You just don't even have to play it. No, just, like, hold the stick. And... Yeah, yes, it gets hard. I've been getting, I've been getting cr- like destroyed. You gotta level up. <laughs> I do have to level up. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about Final Fantasy Thirteen or Halo. <laughs> it's the end of a year. End of twenty twenty. That's talking about twenty twenty games. Yusuf on <laughs> on New Year's Day. I'm gonna message you, Yusuf, and say when you want to record <laughs> Final Fantasy Thirteen. The sad part is that you're we, not lying. <laughs> we ought to. We ought to stream some Halo. It's been a long time. Oh my did, did god. Anyone play it? No, I'm not. Did anyone play Paradise Killer or uh, Thirteen Sentinels? Uh, Paradise Killer is not as good as everyone says it is. No, but I did download Thirteen Sentinels. Yeah, probably I have been uh, beating that drum for a while now, or at least Chris Plant has. <laughs> um, but it's it's really it's, <laughs> it is really good. I think, but it's interesting because it's like there's been a lot of I I normally struggle with the, both the walking sim and visual novel like 
genres. I know some people feel like that's like a derogatory term that there's like shouldn't even be used because it's uh, too not encompassing. But I, there's just uh, those are two examples, and obviously, uh, like there's been I feel like a lot this year where they've been really good. And like Paradise Killer is the example of just adding like exploration, walking around a 3D environment to a, a visual novel, and how much it like does for that. Um, and 13 Sentinels it's actually it's just good I don't know it's it's like one of the few like anime bullshit games where I'm like totally on board I'm like this is great except for yeah, the part where it's naked which is cool. kind of weird I don't know huh. is that how they get into the robots <laughs> yeah see. figures that's just how it works yeah it's just logic um uh Katie McCarthy friend of the show uh finally escaped the games world <laughs> good for her um, well the games writing world the games or the, well, yes <laughs> the games the criticism games, world so she's not just working yes. directly in the games world yes uh, uh, wrote about that game and was talking about it on on Bad End and I was like that sounds like something I can do but now I'm like is that what I want to do with my time off over the holidays do I want to be looking at this this anime sci-fi robot thing for two weeks. What else are you going to do? I don't know. Exactly. It just feels like it's a lot to commit to. Like, you know, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, anyway, I want want to try that out as well. It looks like it could be pretty neat. Um, Anything else? I think that's it. Yeah. I think, yeah, we cut, we, we gamed it. We gamed the games. Um, Nicole, where can people find you? And is there anything you want to point them toward? Especially, like, you know, if, if there's anything you wrote or did this year that you're like, make sure to look at this. Right. Yeah, I got, I've got some stuff. Um, well, you okay. can read things that I've written about video games on Polygon.com, and my Twitter account is at Sweet Potatoes. But I just started a fountain pen newsletter. Yes. It's my pinned tweet, and so you can go to Substack. It's called Carpenter because my last name has pen in it. <laughs> That's where I was going with that. Um, but yes, and I've also part of. The- Letter, what sparked that newsletter is I've been doing this very stupid thing, which is um, categorize or cataloging all of the fountain pens in the crown. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I just, yeah, that's that, actually that, what I'm gonna yeah. do with my time off is watch the that's, crown. That's oh, yeah, you should, you, if, you, if you were if it was like five years ago and that was a Tumblr, you'd be like famous right now, you'd be writing a yeah. book right now. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's a great you know, effort, I, though. I really like, I mean, there's a lot of pens, so I think you've got your work cut out for you. So many pens. I'm only on the ninth episode in the first season. Oh, I'm really boy. excited for when you get to yeah. interview the person, like the prop master on, on set responsible for that. When yeah. they're like, oh my gosh, this person, a journalist, no less, uh, has, <laughs> has, you know, tracked down all my work. Appreciates my pen work. I've considered reaching out. <laughs> Though I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure. It actually uh, would Nicole be a great like AV Club, great job internet would be like <laughs> this 
this woman is on a mission to document every pen, fountain pen in the crown for some godforsaken reason. <laughs> yes. <You know? laughs> oh yeah, that's a like, sweet illusion, think... but get it up there. <laughs> I'm free no, for I'm free for interviews. Yeah, that's true though, I could get an exclusive. <laughs> um, yeah, uh that's cool. Is there anything specific? lately from Polygon that you would want people to look at? Um, I was looking back at my Spiritfarer review and I really liked it. Uh, so maybe that. Otherwise, just like doing some stuff, doing reporting stuff and I don't know. There's a bunch. There's so much. I've written so much this year and some of it's alright. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you write so much and you're like I don't know just look at something um, just Ethan, go read my fountain pen newsletter yeah that's the new that's the new shit too so it's uh, away with the future Ethan, I know every piece you write is uh, a masterpiece <laughs> but same question for you is there anything you want to highlight do you want to tell people where to find you uh, so they can find me and my work over at uh, kotaku.com uh, or on Twitter at Ethan Gatch E-T-H-A-N-G-A-C-H but not, I own in a similar boat where I don't remember anything I've written past like a week ago um, so I, I've reviewed Beyond Light for the Destiny 2 expansion recently it was an okay review um, I don't know, it's not, not, you know, not it, it's I, I got into writing it, writing it and I was like, I'm going to fucking write all the shit I've ever wanted to write about Destiny. Uh, finally got my shot at Kotaku to review a Destiny expansion and then I like quickly realized, like, fuck, this is a Destiny expansion. <laughs> they've been like, we've, <laughs> they've reviewed like five of these and like this, I, I went back and read Kirk Hamilton's I think his review of uh, Forsaken and it was so very obvious. He's like, yep, uh, this is fucking another Destiny expansion. <laughs> um... <laughs> And so yeah, so I don't, I don't know what to um, recommend. I uh, the uh, Surgeon General this week compared um, compared <laughs> the Corona <laughs> d developing the coronavirus vaccine to uh, how you can change games on your on your Xbox without having to throw the Xbox out. You just you, you just get a different game and you put it in the Xbox. Um, uh, and so I, I blogged that, and that was ridiculous and, and fun and that's those are my favorite <laughs> things to write so people should pe people should learn about those facts because this is this is fucking real life people when what when 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 did you have to throw the entire video game system out i don't to change I don't know. a game I don't, it, it, yeah, yeah i don't know if it was just like back he's like it was ridiculous like the first, my day. He, he had the first game system it was just like it was like a, a thick of it like moment where you're just like what poor it. like intern had to be like all right give me what, what do i talk about <laughs> you know, what what metaphor what analogy should i use uh because he also called xbox <laughs> the five am i right, yeah, right. oh <laughs> um he called xbox the hottest gift of, of christmas and everyone knows it's the ps5 and it's like come on you gotta get those those facts right oof yeah what a, what a loser right. i was yeah, like that cringy old man he's getting an xbox for christmas he's gonna be so sad about it <laughs> The kid like immediately calls him afterward, like, "Dad, you, I hope you got me a PS5." <laughs> like, no, son, I got you a coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
if you don't get two of them. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, you should follow what Ethan's writing. Uh, I, w- I will say you should read. Uh, go. People should go to U.S. Gamer uh, to read Reed's great uh, Valhalla review, and also to Polygon to read uh, Nicole's great Valhalla review, which I read both of them before this podcast. In case either of you spoke about Valhalla, but you didn't, but I because <laughs> I'm only like ten hours in. Wait, you, I was like, I need to know what they think. You want to what? You want to catch us? No, I was just, I was just something. like, I was like, you know, I similarly, um, Yusuf had written about. Uh, I always fuck up the game, the name, um, the the photography game. I'll call it. Um, oh, yeah. Morangi. And yeah. uh, but I, and so I went over to Unwinnable and I was like, fuck, I gotta like, like unlock the subscription. And then it said like, this might take time. <laughs> we have to process these orders manually. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I can't read this before the podcast. <laughs> But I'm going to afterwards. Everyone uh, should subscribe to Screwed by my own paywall. Hell yeah. Yes, you should subscribe I'm to sorry, I'm just blowing up everyone else's uh, No, that's appreciate it. Uh, You're yeah. a gentleman and a scholar. And a gamer. I just, it automatically <laughs> threw in the dad joke version of that. Where you go. You're a gentleman and a scholar, and there are very few of us left. <laughs> oh boy. Oh Christ! Another year, man. I'm older. I got way more gray in my hair yeah, this you year. You need the Santa Claus. No. Um, Yusuf, this podcast has gone really long, so I'm like mm-hmm. sleepy. I'm um, ready to lie down for my long winters <laughs> now. Yeah. Well, you you got Yusuf. a job to do, Santa. You still got some presents to hand out. Okay. Um. <laughs> Santa, what? <laughs> um, tell me your your things as well. Um, yeah, so tell me one thing that is that you're proud of this year. This whole year, I don't know. Um, that, that you wrote. I never was late for a deadline. Hell yeah! <laughs> Let's go with that. Without giving That's without good. getting advance notice <laughs> that I was going to be late. Let's qualify that a little bit. Um, Your Last of Us <laughs> Two article at bullet points was, I thought, a banger. Very appreciate good. it. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, I was uh, definitely happy with that turn. Happy with how that turned out. And yeah, everything I wrote for bullet points, everything I wrote, wrote for Unwinnable, um, which is available. You know, if you subscribe, also gets reposted later if you're if you don't want to subscribe, um, and a few other pieces. Wrote a pretty cool i need to repost it i think at some point because i feel like it didn't take off but this a piece for uppercut about uh voice actors in game voice acting oh yeah that was really good too and it was like yeah it was like around when uh cartoons were like recasting all their uh their like basically black characters with actually black people <laughs> and it was kind of a thing um and games were like eerily silent about it obviously as games will be, um, and so I kind of brought that up, and I wanted to talk about it, and just readdress some of the long-standing stuff that is just like a stain on the legacy of a lot of stuff, like, like uh, you know, speaking of Nathan Drake, not Nathan Drake, <laughs> Neil Druckmann <laughs> sounds a lot like Nathan Drake, <laughs> shit, yeah. um, kind of like Nadine and Uncharted being kind of played by Laura Bailey. Um, mm-hmm. And other examples. So, 
I was really happy with that, and I'll probably do like a list, like a Twitter list at some point. I'm just gonna, I'm kind of lazy about it. Like I've been seeing yeah. people do it, I'm like, oh, that looks like a lot of work. Because yeah, because you think you gotta like reframe how you like rephrase everything. It's the worst part of like writing is having to phrase the the tweets where you like where you um, want to like repost your stuff in a way yeah. that's is still, that is stinks. still talking about the piece, but it's not the same language. But I will yeah. I will do it at some point before it's the, before the, the new year. About posting bullet points articles at nine a.m. on the dot. And, uh, <laughs> on Wednesday mornings when they go up on Wednesdays is being like and then also being like I'm going to misrepresent this writer's nuanced argument <laughs> by being like this article's <laughs> this article's about how the thing is yeah. good it's about <laughs> how they U- like it Umarang is cool because of the shooting in it at some point <laughs> I like the, the shooting <laughs> uh, yeah but uh, that's it and um, you know I, my Twitter is YumiYu for those who don't know and you can find all my stuff there yeah yeah that's it that's it how about you read um, you got you proud of anything nah I'm not proud of anything <laughs> I wrote this year uh, that's right no I don't know <laughs> I remember finishing some stuff this year and being like well I'm glad that's done <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a lot of stuff this year that was like too long which especially for bullet points which then I felt bad for you, use of having to deal with them, but I, I don't know. That's fine. I was like, there aren't very many opportunities to do like my favorite kind of thing, which is like to have an excuse to use my horrible, useless like liberal arts degree <laughs> um, to like be like, I know how to research historical topics, <laughs> and then do that for like for me to have an excuse to be like, well, I'm going to do this for work, and I think it'd be interesting to dig into this time period and like kind of use that as a lens for criticism or something and so i was happy to do that with ghost of tsushima and valhalla this year um the valhalla one took a lot of time but it like felt good to do that i don't know that's so good. i was pretty yeah. happy with that and it's a good piece i don't think it's too long i think it's just right well listen when you rewrite a sentence like 800 times to be like how can you summarize this like really complex thing without misrepresenting it entirely that's the worst part about trying to write that stuff anyway i don't know i was happy with that um i was happy that bullet points survived this year honestly i think this time last year uh to be a little bit candid it was like a lot of like ah fuck it this thing is not is is too much it's uh it's not it's not worth it um and then yusuf you coming aboard and uh getting to work with you on this stuff has been like very revitalizing and you know this yeah the site's like not making much waves or money or anything so it's like i still like really love the process of uh or like the end result of like having this stuff up and like finishing a month and being like, look at this, like you feel good about like collecting this stuff and putting it out there and, and doing everything. But it's often, you know, demoralizing to do this, this stuff. And um, yeah, and that's like probably my, like, honestly, like one of the professional things that I'm like happiest about is that this, 
Yeah, made it through. Mm-hmm. And I think we did like a lot of cool shit this year. And I think there's a lot of good stuff up on the site. And yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for that. And I agree. Like I think it's been a good year for us. Um, it's been I'm definitely happy that I got to uh, contribute and and like kind of. This was basically my first year as a, you know, e- editor, capital E, I guess, <laughs> editor, not mm-hmm. self-editor. So it's been really nice having that experience and having you kind of um, be that, like, uh, provide that, like, foundational support of, like, already knowing that even if I fucked it up, that you would, like, still go through and make sure that I wasn't giving terrible notes. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I think um, I'm glad that I was able to um, contribute, and I look forward to next year and seeing where that goes. I think next year is the year we finally get our Cheeto sponsorship. Yeah, I agree. I think um, just one Cheeto article per month should be fine. I don't think it's going to really like shake shake things up too much. Like Chester's <laughs> cheesy graphics column. <laughs> too bad they don't actually make any actually... games. They don't. <laughs> There's no, no video game application. No, it would just be to get the brand out there okay, to yeah. gamers. Yeah. You know, imagine if on the corner of every article there was like a, a Chester Cheeto cartoon and he's like <laughs> talking about what he thought was, you know, the most cheesetastic part of every game. Yeah. Well, anyway. I'll look into it. As CEO, this is part of my responsibility, so. Yeah, it's uh, press at bulletpointsmonthly.com if Cheetos, if you want to get in touch. Um, more than happy to listen to your, your offers. Uh,. So that's gonna do it, man. This is uh, long. Two two and a half hours almost. Um, Thanks for sticking with th- us. <laughs> yes, thank you so much to all of you for all the time, and especially Nicole and Ethan for guesting on this. Um, yeah, I guess usual thing. Go to the website bulletpointsmonthly.com. Um, go to the Patreon. I know that uh, especially children ages 4 to 8 love Patreon subscriptions to bullet points. Uh, Patreon.com slash bullet points. And uh, I think that's everything. Um, if you could all start singing All Dying Zine now, that would be... <laughs> Remember, we, we discussed it. Um, you want to get the, get the bells going again? <laughs> They're on the floor here. (laughs) Yeah, okay. All right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, Everyone (laughs) listening, have a wonderful holidays and happy 2021 and all of that stuff. Yay. (laughs) Bye.